I thought, bro, I fixed it up just for you. And um, I have been honored to be a part of this man's life for, for a little bit. Um, and uh, they are just special, special people in my life. And I've been able to minister alongside of them several times. And uh, I don't know how much he's going to share about the, the ministry that they're involved with. And I'm sure you'll share a little bit, right? And uh, I get to be a part of it. Pastor Daniel's been a part of it. Um, where they have this school. They'll talk about the end of this month. I'll be headed out to go teach at this school again uh, for a week. And so I'm excited because they've been hanging out with us. And me and him have so many similarities. I know we're both handsome and all, but <laughs> that's besides the point. Just some of the craziness. That, and our wives are just about the same, which is even scarier. <laughs> And uh, But we have just been so blessed to have these guys over at the house for a little bit, and uh, they'll be leaving tomorrow back to uh, New Mexico. And so please welcome Dave Chafee, man, from Agents for Christ, 10th Hour Project. Check, check. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Blessed to be here with you guys. We're going to have a plant sale today. I don't know if you knew that. Man, the jokes are just going to keep going, huh? Zeke was making fun of me. He was like, dude, I'm so glad I don't have to go up there and preach in front of the girly. He goes, but the bad thing is I have to look up there and watch you try to preach with all the flowers. <laughs> Aren't we terrible? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> well, we're, I'm blessed to be uh, with you guys here today. Um, my name is Dave Chafee, and I'm with a ministry called Agents for Christ. And um, we are an evangelism ministry, um, and we we do all kinds of things. Um, we started the ministry is about 12 years ago, um, and I think some of you know our ministry. Uh, Bill James and Danielle James are, are my, my brother and sister-in-law, but they're the other half of the ministry. Um, and we started it with them about 12 years ago, and um, the Lord had did a radical thing in my brother-in-law's life. He got saved. He was a dirty cop, so he was, he was a detective. He was busting people for dope, and then he was doing the dope himself. So not a good thing, right? Uh, uh, but God, uh, through his grace and mercy, radically got a hold of Bill's life. And uh, threw a gun pointed at his head and um, changed his mind real quick about, you know, what, what should I do? You know, because he had been, he had been living a double life. He was um, a cop and also doing drugs. And then he was a Sunday school teacher. So, you know, you talk about hypocrisy, right? God won't let you do that for long, people. I don't know if you know that, but um, God will find you out, <laughs> right? And so uh, his wife was a believer and just praying for him. And, you know, by God's grace... Um, when that gun was pointed at his head and didn't go off, he knew God was saying, look, you, you, you're either going to go to hell or you're going to repent because I'm going to take you out, you know? So by his grace, uh, God, you know, got a hold of him and he, he radically changed his life, went into Teen Challenge, uh, which is a drug recovery ministry, and just came out a different man. And from there, you know, I was a believer and I was actually kind of, you know, kind of mad at him a little bit. It was like, he was sending me scripture and like, Dave, you should be doing this and that and praise God. And I'm like, man, I've been a Christian for this long and this guy's telling me what to do, you know? But it was a, a pride in my own heart. Um, so when he got out, he was like, we need to hit the streets, just talk, telling people about Jesus, you know? 
and started a kindling a new fire in my heart because I, I got churchy. You know, we can do that, right? We get churchy, we just fall asleep in the pew. And uh, man, God just radically changed my life. And from there, we started Agents for Christ. And God called us to be missionaries on the streets of, of America. And so we sold everything we owned. We bought a couple RVs and put our families in those RVs and just headed out, just telling people about Jesus and then teaching evangelism, teaching other people like, look, there's just some simple tools you can use to help you share your faith. Um, it's not rocket science, right? If you're a believer, um, if you're a disciple of Christ, then you have the ability to tell others about God. And God wants to use your life. And so from there, the ministry was born. Um, we formed a nonprofit, and you know, God just started doing amazing things. That's how we met Zeke. We were just calling churches and saying, hey, this is what we do. Um, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're either going to have us come or not. You know, God, will, God will open the doors. And so we really didn't have a plan other than to follow Jesus. And we tell um, people this all the time. Um, you don't need to know where you're going. You just need to know who you're following. Right? You don't always need to know where you're going, but you need to know who you're following. And if, you, if you're following Jesus, what can go wrong? I mean, what do you got to lose, right? And so by his grace, we did that for three years. We traveled sharing the gospel around the country. And then from there, um, I was called back on staff at my home church in Portland, Oregon, and Bill was called to Uganda. And so um, after about eight years on staff, I was in, in Portland. The Lord called me back to um, Agents for Christ um, to start the 10th Hour Project, which is, which is a missionary uh, training program for young adults ages 18 to 26. We teach them in worldview. We teach them um, how to read their Bibles properly, right? And we, we teach them how to share their faith, um, defend the faith. We teach them worldview, which is hugely important in the world we're living in today, amen? Um, Man, if, if anything, can I tell you just don't send your kids to college? Can I tell you that? <laughs> I mean, you might think that's crazy. I hope you don't. But uh, um, in today's culture, um, colleges have become, um, I, man, I don't even have words, right? It's just, it's not reading, writing, and math anymore. It's a training ground for social reprogramming. And so, and I believe, yeah, maybe some, some kids should go to college if they're, if they're saved, set free by the blood of Jesus Christ and they're on mission and they realize who their God is and they can go into that place and be a light. But man, it's Daniel in the lion's den. But some are called to that. But even if, even if you're going to go to college, man, a gap year is hugely important. If it's not 10th hour project, it's something. To go and just get away from your family, even if you have a godly family, get by yourself, go somewhere and re- really learn to study the Bible for yourself to hear God's voice by yourself and really just, you know, learn to love him um, in, a, in a different way. And so we started the 10th Hour Project uh, about two years ago, and we're going on our third term. And so under the umbrella of Agents for Christ, you have um, Uganda Kids Project. We have GotTracks.com. GotTracks is gospel tracks, little cards with, you know, with the sharing the gospel on them. We, we ship those all over the world. Easy way to share the gospel. We have evangelism training programs at churches, and then we have the 10th Hour Project. And so lots of different ministries going on under that umbrella. Um, but yeah, so for the last two years, we've just, God just radically moved us again from Portland to New Mexico. And uh, it's been just an amazing experience to watch God open doors um, and, and to bring these young people um, that are ready to grow and learn and be a part of what God is doing in the world. Amen. 
Um, God is moving. I don't know if you know that. Uh, the world's on fire, but God's still moving. Amen? Amen. He, is, he is on the move. And man, what a great time to be alive, to see what God is doing in the world. And, and we're just excited for what Jesus is doing. You know, we, we st- we're supposed to start our third term in May. And obviously, we know the world came to a screeching halt um, in March, I think it was. Um, and so it was quite a, a kind of a tumultuous time to get. We had students in Uganda and the world shutting down. And how do we get them out? You know, and by God's grace, we got them back home to the United States. You know, they were loving it in Uganda. They're, we don't want to have to come home. You know, we're fine. We're we're serving the Lord over here. I'm like, well, you may never come home if you don't come home now. So get on that plane, all right? You know? So by God's grace, we got them all home and they graduated and it was, it was a beautiful time. And, and so we, we put it off till uh, August. We got two more weeks before we th- start our third term. Zeke's going to come and teach. We love that. We have pastors come from all over the country uh, just to pour into these young adults, um, different subjects. And we, we talk a lot about worldview. We talk a lot about defending the the faith, whether it be science, history, um, the laws of nature, the laws of logic. We discuss all these things so that they might be able to share that um, in, in the world that we live in. Amen? And so we're, we're excited for the, for the next term, the third term to start, so you can keep us in prayer. You know, it's been a lot of prep and a lot of, like, worry, doubt, fear, faith. You just, you're wrestling. And, God, should we start when everything else has stopped? But we just kept hearing the Lord say, no. Keep going. And so, you know, we have nine students signed up for third term. We're excited to have them. Um, we have dorms there, so they live on campus. They spend um, five months with us, three months of intensive training. Uh, we do six weeks of touring East Coast, West Coast, um, speaking in churches, schools, anywhere that someone will have us, doing evangelism training and also having these students share their testimonies about what God has done in their life, and then sharing the gospel, inviting people to come into the family of God, right, where you find the mercy and grace, and you find out what being a human, it really is about. You're made in the image of God, and so you're created to worship him, and so until you find that out, you're really kind of dead, right? You're dead in your sins and trespasses, and so pray for that, and then after that, we do our tours, we come back for a little while, and then head to Uganda, um, and they head there for three months, uh, to serve the Lord in, in a foreign mission field. So it's a, it's a well-rounded thing for them to really grow in their faith. Uh, please be in prayer for it because, you know, trying to plan tours right now, not exactly easy. Uganda is closed right now, and technically they should go to Uganda in January. So we're, we're just praying by faith God will open that door and allow them to go over there and be on mission in Uganda by His grace. And so, um, amen? <laughs> And so we're excited. Uh, we're just excited for what God's doing. Blessed to be uh, with you guys. Um, you guys are just a blessing. Zeke, Daniel, the leadership, and every, everybody here has just been just such a blessing to us um, as a ministry and as friends, just as brothers in the Lord. They see, they see, we see eye to eye, you know. Um, our whole mission is to know God and to make him known, right? That should be your mission, to know God and to make him known in the world. And so... Um, I want to share a message with you today. I was just praying about what to share when, you know, we came up for a, uh, um, for a memorial. Our, one of our dear friends, an intern, Benny Livingston, passed away. Some of you guys met him and knew him. He had cystic fibrosis, and so he had fought that his whole life. He was 31 years old and in and out of the hospital. More, he lived in the hospital more than out, um, but he loved God with all his heart, and he was a vital part of the ministry. And, uh, you know, he was just pouring into these young adults' lives and, 
And, you know, when you met him, you, you, didn't, you realized you didn't have anything to complain about. <laughs> you know, this man suffered, but he did not, it wasn't stopped him. He never complained about it. And it was Jesus was his primary goal in life. And so um, he lived well, you know, and he heard when he, when he died, they say he died, but he went to live. <laughs> he heard, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. So that's what kind of brought us up here. But um, I'm going to share a, a message with you today. Um, and it's called, uh, the title is Five Traits of a Disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, there's probably, maybe there's more traits than that. I don't claim to know everything, but I wanted to give you guys some traits of what a disciple looks like, okay? So let's pray and get into God's Word, right? God's Word transforms us um, and makes us more like Jesus. That's our desire. Father, we thank you for your Word. Your Word is truth, you said. Um, You are the crux of truth. When we think about what truth is, it it comes from you. So if there's anything true, it's because God exists and because Jesus exists. When I think about 2 plus 2 equals 4, it's because God exists. (laughs) And that, therefore, things make sense. And so because in the light of that, we want to live for the truth. We want to live for Jesus. We thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you have opened our eyes as believers to the truth. And so, Lord, we just pray that, uh, I just pray that you would speak through me, that I would get out of the way, that you would have your way in me and through me, and you would have your way in your church, Lord. Father, we pray for the believers in this room. God, may they be um, lifted up. May they be strengthened today. May they be emboldened like they've never been. In these last days, may we live on fire for God. And so, God, as we look at uh, what a disciple is, what a Christian is, we pray that you would just illuminate the scriptures to us. Um, and for those who don't know you today, I don't know where everybody's at today. There might be someone in here that's, maybe they've been coming to church for t- 20 years and they just never really laid down their life. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. But we want to honor you and glorify you today. So be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be jumping around a little bit, so if you want to take notes on the scriptures, um, I'm doing a kind of a topical message today. I know that's not the Calvary Chapel <laughs> way, but uh, Chuck, Chuck loves me, forgives me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That's an invitation, huh? Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. You cannot, Spurgeon said, you cannot be Christ's servant if you are not willing to follow him, cross and all. What do you crave, a crown? Then it must be a crown of thorns if you are to be like him. Do you want to be lifted up? So you shall, but it will be upon a cross. That's the call of a disciple. God desires for us to die to ourselves and live for others. I want to talk to you about, be, uh, about discipleship and about being a true disciple of Christ. If there's a diff- if, is there a difference between being a disciple and being a Christian? No. And that's what we're talking about. Being a true Christian versus being a religious person um, or being a fake Christian too many of those in the world, amen? If you are truly a Christian, 
then you are a disciple of Christ. Webster's Dictionary defines it as a person who is a pupil or an adherent to the doctrines of another or a follower. The Easton Bible Dictionary says a disciple of Christ is one who, one, believes his doctrine. We believe him when he speaks. Two, rests on his sacrifice. I love that. Do you rest on the sacrifice of Jesus? You're done trying, resting in him. Three, absorbs his spirit. Have you been born again and received his spirit? Four, and Im- imitates his example, right? We want to live like Jesus lived. And we can only do that by his power. Do you realize that we are all disciples of something? A politician? That gives me the creeps. Right? Some people are disciples of politicians. A musician, right? A lot of people worship musicians. Follow them. I used to be a huge, just, I worshiped musicians. I'm a guitar player, so I would know every, you know, the strings they use, the amps they use, the guitar they use, how they tune, and all this stuff. I just worshiped, right? And so everybody's following somebody else. Um, the, the Pharisees had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. Yoda had Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? And Obi-Wan had Luke Skywalker. So there's all kinds of disciples out there. Uh, the root word for disciple is the word discipline, um, discipline means, one, training to act in accordance with rules or a drill or military discipline. Two, activity, exercise, or a regimen that develops or improves a skill. Training. Three, punishment inflicted by a way of, of correction and training. I've had that. Lord ever take you to the woodshed? He's done me. Four, the rigor or training effect of experience in adversity. We get that as believers, too. Five, behavior in accordance with rules or conduct, behavior and order maintained by training and control. All of these things are discipline, right? Without discipline, we are not disciples. And if we are not disciples, we are not Christians. God is calling you to come to him and learn of him and take what he says seriously and obey him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. We must be disciples. So I want to talk about, let's talk about uh, what it truly means to be a disciple of Christ. And I want to discuss five traits of someone who is truly a Christian and a disciple of Jesus. Someone who, when you see these things in their life, you see that they they actually mean what they say. The first trait is they are born again. Now, you remember when Jesus said this in John 3, 3, he said, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, you remember when he was, when he was giving this report, he was talking to Nicodemus, right? And Nicodemus came to him at night because he was a little bit afraid. He had this kind of double-minded thing going on. It's like, well, Jesus seems like he knows what he's talking about, but my bros here, the Pharisees, they don't really like him, and so maybe I'll creep over at night and talk to him a little bit. And, and Jesus kind of rebuked him and said, dude, you don't know these things, these simple things about being a, a follower of God? You're supposed to be a teacher of God, right? But he was telling him what, mu- what you must experience in order to start a walk with God. Jesus was talking about what, it takes, what takes place when you invite him into your heart to be your Savior, your Lord, and your Master. A lot of people like the, the word Savior. They don't like the word Lord and Master, right? And God calling you to 
give your life solely to him alone. Um, it's a surrender of your life, your will, your plans, all to him. And some people want to add Jesus to their life. Have you ever heard this? Like, I just want to add Jesus to my life. I got all these things I want to do. I got all these plans I want to take place. Jesus, help me go do what I want to do. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is you lay down your life and you let him dictate your life. Listen, man, for a long time I was dictating my own life. I couldn't wait to just lay it down. It's like, dude, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Lord, take over. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. But it's a surrender. C.S. Lewis said, until you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. Think about that. You're not a real person until you come to meet the one who created you. Until you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. It is a place where we truly find life. Before we received Jesus, we were walking dead people. We walked around dead and we were controlled by selfish desire and filled with death because of sin. Listen, you see that in our world today, right? People so angry, so bitter. Just I read the other, today that they're burning Bibles in, in Portland, Oregon. You know, it's like, man, if they only knew that the peace that they're searching for is never going to be found unless they open the, the book that they're burning. It's the only peace that you can find. And you're dead until you find that out. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Don't you love those words? That moment of surrender when life truly begins. John 1, 12 through 13 tells us, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the first step to being a Christian, to being a disciple. But it is certainly not the last, amen? You don't just say a sinner's prayer. Listen, I think this is a false ideology that's been preached in churches. Hey, just say this prayer, church, and you'll be, everything will be great for you. You'll be a child of God, and you know, go, then go on however, li- however you want to live. The Bible calls you to repent, <laughs> right? You got to repent. You got to turn from what you were doing and turn to God's way and accept Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior and Master. Can you say a prayer, sinner's prayer? Yeah, you can, you can pray to receive Jesus. That's, that's valid. But nowhere in the Bible do you see sinner's prayer, right? There's nothing written down. Man, my friend, friend of mine was involved in a satanic cult, um, heavily involved in just witchcraft and all these things. And one of his good friends ended up murdering his girlfriend. And he walked in on the scene, like after. Didn't, you know, the blood, and just horrible. He ended up, and he had been hearing the gospel. He ended up running just out of that place. Just fear just struck him, and he ran. And as he was running, it was raining, you know, pouring rain, and just, he fell on a street corner and just said, Jesus, save me. God saved his life, turned him around, gave him a new life. That wasn't, it wasn't some certain words that he said, right? It was just Jesus. Jesus saved me. From there, his life was changed. You must be born again. It is the only way you will find strength to live for him. You can't live for God unless you're born again. You'll hate your life. <laughs> you'll be trying to do these religious steps and every way, all the way, just going, man, this sucks. I, this is hard. Why is this so hard? 
Well, because you, you're, you're trying to do it without the, the peace and spirit of God. It is the only way to understand the Bible. This book will be foreign to you. You'll be reading going, what? I don't, this is, I don't get it. Throw it away. Unless you're born again, it won't come alive to you. Without the spirit, this is just a book. And you'll misinterpret it. Listen, look at the cults, right? You got Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, all living religious lives trying to follow these rules, doing exactly as whoever's telling them how to do it, and living miserable lives, stuck in bondage of religion. We won't get it unless we, we meet the author. We won't understand it until we meet the author. It is the only way to heaven, right? Jesus said you won't see heaven unless you're born again. Acts 4.12 nor there is, self, is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, that's, a, not, a, that's not a popular view today in our, in our culture that says nothing matters, it's whatever you want to believe. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That's, that's either or logic, right? Either he's right or he's not. There's no middle ground for that. You've seen those bumper stickers, coexist. You can coexist on earth. We can try to get along. But listen, in heaven, you're not going to coexist unless you all believe in Jesus <laughs> and you went through him. Amen? Amen? You must be born again to inherit everlasting life, life that begins here and now, not just when we die. As soon as you get saved, man, you, you, start, in, 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 you start experiencing that eternal life. I don't know if you, you but I, I had joy for the first time in my life when I came to Christ. Without that spiritual change, you will not be a disciple of Jesus. Number two, the, two, the second uh, trait of a disciple is they are a student of the word. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved by God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, right, rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen, we get that right in Calvary Chapel most of the time, right? We study the word of God. We believe in the word of God. We teach it verse by verse. Uh, but if you're not born again, it's again, right? You need to... You need to meet the author to understand it. When you are truly a disciple or a Christian, you will study the Bible. You'll actually begin to love the Word of God. You'll love His Word. You'll, you'll be entrenched in it. I remember when I got saved, I just couldn't stop reading it. I was just like, wow, this is like food to my soul. So for the first time, the Bible started to make sense to me. And I really figured out that Jesus was nothing like all these people were telling me He's like. You know, I had all these different preconceived ideas until I started to read his words myself, began to change my life. It will, it will become alive to you, and God's word will transform your life. Paul, writing to Timothy, told him in 2 Timothy 3.15, And from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able and to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible should shape how we look at everything, you guys. I think people have one, one scope that they look through on Sunday and Wednesday, and then they look through another scope the rest of the week. You know, it's like they separate their Christianity from the way they look at, at everything else. Listen, the Bible should shape how you look at politics, right? A biblical worldview should shape how you look at sexuality. It should, look how, it should help you look at how governments are set up. 
What is the best government that would help you be a Christian and others to walk in Christianity? All of those things come through the lens of the Bible. What we say and what we do should be according to God's word. The other thing about studying God's word is we, we do it even when we don't feel like it. That's part of being disciplined. That's part of being a disciple. You know, for my, my son, um, he goes to a young adults group and some of the guys in the group were saying, you know, I just want to be led by the spirit. So sometimes I just won't read the word, you know, because if I'm feeling like this is hard today or this is a struggle, then, uh, you know, maybe God's telling me not to read it. And I was like, nah, that's not, <laughs> that's not scripture, bro. <laughs> you know, we read the word of God every day and we Listen, this is a lesson that our, our world needs to learn, especially young people. They're so led by emotion. We lead our emotions. We lead our feelings. The word of God is truth, and therefore we walk the way it goes, and our emotions and our feelings will follow, right? They might not right away. You might not feel it right away. But listen, God, your word says this, so therefore that's what I'm going to do. I don't feel like it. I feel like doing this other thing. But you know what? Your word is truth. Your word leads me to life and not death. So I'm going to do what your word says. If you are struggling to read the Bible, ask God to give you a love for it. And he will. His spirit will meet you there. Get on your knees. Get on your face. Say, God, I don't feel like reading. I don't want to. What's going wrong with me? Help me. And he'll meet you there. Psalm 119 verse 8 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. David is asking God to help him understand it, that he will... Find all that God has for him in it. At times we have to struggle through it, you guys, you know. Ray Comfort was saying, you know, some, some parts of the Bible are like broccoli. I hate broccoli. That's what he says, you know, because but some is like just chocolate. Mm, yeah, it's delicious. But we got to eat it all, right? We got to eat it all because it's all good for us. Brussels sprouts, right, whatever. It's like Deuteronomy. It's like, oh, man, uh, you know, read it, man. Read it, eat it. <laughs> But God, David is asking God, help me understand it. Let me live in it. We must press on and be dis- disciplined in reading the Bible if we want to have victory over Satan and, and live a godly life. The only way you're going to defeat the, the, the enemy of your soul is to quote the word of God to him. That's what Jesus did, right? We have to, we have to live on it, study it. You know, there was a time in my life I went through a deep depression. I couldn't shake it. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And God was saying, trust me. I was so depressed. And I, you know what I did? I just started putting scripture all over the place. I printed it out. I was working in an office at that time. I put it all over my cubicle. Every time I go to the bathroom, I just get on my knees and pray. Like, God, what is wrong with me? Help me. And God saw me through it. He gave me victory over it. It wasn't right away, but I knew that God's word was true. I knew that what I was feeling was false. But what I know is true. And God led me out of that, that time in my life by his word. A third trait of a disciple is that they apply the word of God to their life, right? They apply it. They live by the word. What you say and what you do should be li- lived out according to what you have studied. That, therefore, that, that way you're not fake. Listen, the greatest cause of atheism in this world is people that say they're a believer and they act like the world. Hypocrisy, Right? Man, it's, oh, I just, it, that's what led me away from God. I mean, when I was an atheist for a lot of years. I wasn't raised in the church. But when I would see someone that says they're a Christian and they're sitting there getting high with me and getting drunk with me, like, dude, you need Jesus, man. <sighs> yeah, you need it. Yeah, bro, you need, listen, you need the Lord. I know I'm not following him. But bro, man, let me tell you, you know, it's like, what? You know, it's just like, what? 
it, obviously it's not changing you. <laughs> I know that God doesn't do that. You know, I'm smart enough to know that. And whatever it is, I don't want it because, dude, it ain't helping you. You know? Well, we should live by it. And listen, if you do stumble and fall, it's an opportunity to bring glory to God, to go to people and go, you know what, man, I blew it. You know, some of the greatest opportunities in my life when I'm learning to walk with God, I'm just trying to rid myself of the flesh and all these habits. I would, you know, I, I used to cuss like a sailor. And I got saved and, um, you know, I was still cussing like a sailor. <laughs> uh, but I'm telling people about Jesus and then I'm doing this other thing, you know. And so God would say, go back to that guy and tell him that you sinned. Tell him that you shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, no, Lord, they, they don't care. They live like that. You know, it's like, but you, but you live for me. And so I'd go to them and go, bro, man, what I said the other day, man, I, I was wrong. And I just need you to forgive me. And they're like, what? Like, what? Why? We all do that, bro. You know, it's like, but I don't anymore, man. So, you know, and it was the greatest opportunity to be a light. So we don't live like hypocrites, but when we fail, right, we go to that person, believer or not believer, and say, look, man, I'm trying to live for God. I need you to forgive me. And however they take it, it's, it's light. Amen? But we want to live it out. Psalm 119, your word is a light that I, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? To live in the light of God and holiness. James 1.21 says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, the God, word of God, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, right? There's that hypocrisy. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Listen, you'll be blessed. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world around you. Live for God. Look at Daniel, right? Daniel lived in the midst of a pagan culture. God lifted him up. Joseph, man, that guy's life was horrible <laughs> for the first half, but he's continued to live for God. We live in a pagan culture. We are living in a post-Christian America. Live for God and watch him radically bless your life. Listen, conviction without action is useless. Conviction without action is useless. How many times you been, oh, man, that, that word was so convicting. Man, Zeke, man, he preached it hard. Man, that was so convicting. Go back home and do nothing. <laughs> like, no, man, let it change you. Let it change your actions, you know? Doing the same thing over and over is called insanity, right? When you know something's wrong, you keep doing it. That's insane. Let the word of God change you. The fourth trait of a disciple of Jesus is that they are becoming more like Jesus every day. We're being conformed to his likeness. Now, some people will say, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not Jesus, bro. I can't do that. You know? It's like, no, you, you're becoming more like him. Will you be perfect? No, not on this earth. You're going to fail continuously. But you should be able to look back five years ago. You know, I'm not the guy I used to be. You should be able to look back and go, I, I'm not the person I was. God is forming me. He's not done. Right? He's certainly not done in my life. That's my wife. <laughs> but, but I'm changing. God's doing a work in my life. And praise God for that. Romans 8, 29. It says, for, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God is forming us to be more like Jesus. As you follow, you become more like him, right? You walk in his ways. You study his ways. Um, you become more like Jesus. He said in John thirteen fifteen, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus is saying, look, look at my life. Now walk like I do. Man, one of the most convicting things I read from Paul is he says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's heavy, right? Can you say that with a straight face? Look, follow me, watch me, because I'm going to live like Jesus. Man, we need to be able to say that, though. We fail, yes. But listen, God wants to give you that power to live like Jesus and call others to follow you, right? To be a disciple maker. As you're a disciple, you're a disciple maker. People are watching your life. It doesn't mean you're going to live it out perfectly. Listen, we all fail. But you know what Satan wants to do? Keep you down there. See what you did? And you're going to make disciples? <laughs> Funny. Look at your life. See what you did? No, I did do that, but I'm going to get back up. I'm going to repent, and I'm going to come back to Jesus and say, Lord, help me, help me follow you and make disciples. Help me help others. The way you act toward others and talk to others will be more like Jesus every day as you study and pray for the Lord to change you. Listen, when I got saved, I told you I had a lot of bad habits and God is releasing me from them as I go, as I repent, as I turn to him. Didn't change overnight. Still a work in progress, amen? We all are. But we're learning to overcome sin. We're learning to walk in holiness. That's what God desires for our lives. Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your mind is renewed when you let God's word change you by the power of his spirit living in you, right? His spirit's in you. He's convicting you. He's changing you. Say, do this, don't do that. And as you read it, you're like, ooh, sometimes it ooh, hits hard, right? Ooh, man, <laughs> I'm guilty of that one. That's because the Holy Spirit's working. Listen, when you feel bad about something, praise God. <laughs> That's the spirit going, look, Dave, you jacked that up, man. Turn around. Like, okay, thank you, Lord, man. Thank you so good. You show me. Show me that I can change. The fifth and last trait of the disciple is uh, they are his witness. And I think this is something that the church really needs to grow in, is being a witness. You know why our world's on fire? Because we're not salt and light. <laughs> I mean, bottom line, man. Social media is like a cancer in our culture, man. It's just like destroying lives. And the best witness is one-on-one. You meet someone at the grocery store. Do you know Jesus loves you? Let me give you a gospel track. That's a first step for someone that's nervous to talk to people. Just give them a gospel track. Here, man. We just came out one. It's called What is Essential? It has a guy with a mask on it. It's a brand new track that we came out with. Because what? That's the buzzword, right? They're going to flip it over and read it. And what is essential? Jesus is. Jesus is essential to life. He's essential to eternal, eternal life. And he's, he's essential to get rid of this woe is me lifestyle. Jesus is your hero. Talk about him. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to all Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God desires you to tell others about him. You will be his witness. You will end up sharing what Jesus has done in you. You will be excited to talk about it. I met people when I go out and witness, and sometimes they're like, that's a private thing. 
And they're just walking away. I don't want to talk about that. That's a private thing. Jesus said, Be, put your light on a stand, right? What, private? I can't wait to tell everybody about Jesus. Did he set you free? Did he give you hope? Did he give you peace? Why is that private? <laughs> Man, I got to tell everybody. But listen, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be his witness. We can experience God in reading our word, right? In devotions. Oh, man, I feel the spirit of God sometimes. So sweet. Just sit there with my coffee. Just Jesus, man. I experience God in fellowship at church, right? Just meeting people. Just, oh, man, I love God. See God in you. You see God in me. We're like, yes, we're fellowship. We see God uh, in the preaching of the word. But listen, you'll never experience God as when you go out and purposely tell someone about him. He's going to give you words that you didn't think you had. He's going to give you scripture that comes to mind that you didn't think you would remember. And the Holy Spirit will come and power you like, dude, that was amazing. You want a cure to, to depression? Go out and tell someone about Jesus. Intentional evangelism. I'm going out today with the purpose to tell someone about God. And man, you talk about a, a cure for depression. Because God's going to use you. And you're going to see the light come on in someone else's life. You're just like, that was so amazing. It's awesome, right? To be his witness. Jesus again says, when you talk about sharing your faith in Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How are they going to glorify him if they don't know the gospel? Look, they're going to see your life. They're going to see that you live for God. And then they're going to ask you about it, especially at work, right? If you live out the gospel in a workplace, if you live out the gospel in your home, people are going to say, what, man? Why, how do you stay joyful? Don't you see the world? Man, it's, this world's lame. <laughs> well, I, love, I know Jesus. <laughs> That's why. Let me tell you about him, right? You know, I, I, the other day I said, how's your day going? I was at the drive-thru. I don't know. I was getting some food. And the lady's like, it's going pretty good, thank you, because no one's asked me that today. It was like 3 o'clock. I'm thinking, no one just, like, how's your day going? Just give my coffee. <laughs> you know, it's just like, give my stuff. Thanks. I don't know if they'd say thanks. But she's like, I just, you know, I, no one said that to me today. It's going pretty good. I'm like, well, you know, I just hope you're having a blessed day. hope you're having a good day. Here, give her a what is essential gospel track. <laughs> this is the guy that will change your life, right? <laughs> Jesus. But you know what I mean? Just, just live it out. Talk about, you know, talk about the greatest thing in your life, which is Jesus. You guys ever seen that movie, Faith Like Potatoes? Anybody seen that movie? There's a scene in that movie where the dude gets radically saved. He's an alcoholic. He's angry. And he, he, he comes to Christ, and then he's starting to be discipled by his pastor. And his pastor goes, look, you need to go out and tell three people about what has happened to you today. He's, just, he's like, I'm so excited, you know. And so then when he tells him that, he's like, oh, shoot, really? <laughs> he's like, tell, tell three people. So he's walking down the street. He's walking past the bar he always goes to and gets lit up, right? Every day, just like pounding beers. Uh, and then he's like, oh, trying to like avoid the bar. And he's like, oh, shoot, oh, shoot. And then his buddy's like, hey, bro, hey, come on in, man. Let's get, you know, have a few, man. And he's like, oh, dang it. Like, you know, he's got a Bible. He's trying to hide it. Um, and he goes into the bar, and then he's like, I have to tell him, you know? And the guy's like, you're acting funny, man. What's up? Like, you're strange. He's like, dude, I got saved. The guy's like, what? You know? But hey, man, praise God, right? God changed his life, and God gave him the opportunity to tell someone about it. <laughs> so awesome, man. Let the Lord use you to tell people about him. Amen? Campbell Morgan said, a call 
To call a man evangelical, evangelical who is not evangelistic is an utter contradiction. <laughs> to call a man evangelical, right, someone who shares the gospel, who is not evangelistic is an utter contradiction, yet we're the evangelical church, right? Let your life open up opportunities for the glory of God. Be a disciple of Jesus and be a disciple maker. Amen? These five traits are what a Christian life should look like. They are what happens in a person's life when they have met Jesus in a personal way. One, disciples are born again. Two, disciple is a student of the word of God. Three, they apply the word of God to their life. Four, they're becoming more like Jesus every day. They're becoming conformed into his image. And five, they are a witness for him. Amen? That's what a disciple is. And that's what we do. Um, We make disciples um, at 10th Hour Project. Please keep us in prayer. Um, Our desire is to see these young people lit on fire and go out into the world and start fires. There's 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 a... proverb i think it says blessed is a man whose quiver is full children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior blessed is is a man whose quiver is full i think about those arrows that are lit on fire and they're shot out somewhere and right another blaze starts that's what we want for our kids that's what we want for this next generation listen there's there's kids that are hungry to know god like i said we have nine students signed up we told them look we don't know exactly what's going to happen they're like we're still coming i mean we don't know if we're going to africa we don't know, but we, you can come and, and learn how to follow Jesus and say, we're coming. Praise God. Amen? I mean, there's, there, there's, a, there's a generation that's hungry for truth. And so we just, we covet your prayers. There's ways to get involved in, with, with Agents for Christ. Um, you can sponsor a student. You can sponsor the program monthly. You can become a monthly partner with us, or you can make a donation to it. Um, you can buy gospel tracts. You know, there's tracts that you can hand out. Uh, we have shirts and stuff that you could buy just to, you know, help support the ministry. Just when you think about 10th Hour Project, you can pray for us. You can sponsor a kid in Uganda. You know, there's many ways to get involved, but mainly just pray for us. But if God leads you to get involved, we, we appreciate it. We, um, uh, we, our heart is just to, to get people on fire for Jesus. And God is doing a great work, amen? He's coming soon, church. And I pray that he finds all of us about his business. I pray that he finds us doing the work that he called us to do. He wants to use your life in a powerful way. You, listen, man, if you know who you are in Jesus, right, Zeke? Man, you're seated in the heavenlies with God, the Bible says. The Bible says you have every spiritual blessing. He calls you a son and a daughter. The Bible says we'll judge angels. Trip on that. What? Yes. He has done a work in your life, man. And if you get a hold of who you are in Jesus, nothing will stop you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't even looking for you. You were looking for us. And by God's grace, you opened our eyes to the wonderful truth of the gospel. And so, Lord, we're thankful today. I thank you for making me a disciple. (laughs) Lord, I want to be like you. And I think your church does too. And all of those in here. Lord, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to ask, maybe you, you need prayer just to be, a, you want to be more like Jesus. You want to be a disciple of Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? I just want every eye closed and if you say, you know what, I need more power of Jesus in my life. Anybody, just raise your hand. Amen. Yes. See you over there, bro. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, we want to be more like Jesus. Amen. 
And maybe if you, you're here today and you've never received Jesus, maybe you know about him, but you don't know him. I want you to raise your hand and say, I want to be born again today. Is there anyone in here? I just want to give that opportunity. Anybody at all? Okay. Lord, I pray for these that have raised their hand, that want to be more like Jesus. They want to be a disciple. Father, light them on fire. Help them to take these traits and, and be relentless in their pursuit of you and their pursuit of others. Lord, as this world is un, uh, unwinding, we think everything's falling apart, but it's really falling into place. Help us live abandoned. Help us not care about the things of the world. They perish. They vanish in your hand. They're like nothing. They're like smoke. They're gone. But your, what you give us is eternal. Help us live for you and you alone, God. I know you're purging the church today, ridding it of those who just have half-hearted. You want us to be fully on fire for you, Lord. Only by your spirit can we do that. We need more of your spirit in our lives. And so we thank you for your great grace. Uh, bless your church today. Empower them to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You want to join us in-